Hello, hello, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Talking Each Other Home. I am your host, Danny, and on the podcast today, we have Stephen Fielding joining us. I met him through Fit for Service, and now we finally had the chance to collaborate and connect over a podcast conversation. And it was so cool and so interesting. And uh, just to give you a little snippet about what we talked about, we talked about um, partnerships and transitioning from one that's not working to one that is and what that process kind of looks like. And also the difference between masculine and feminine energies, the difference between doing and being, and then also that flowed right into manifesting Um, and our processes for manifesting and just some little stories about what we've been able to create with visioning and just making little sketches on pieces of paper. So it was very kind of magical. And then we went into intentional jewelry making. So him and his partner, Deb, they make these amazing pieces of jewelry. And he gave us a little bit of insight on how some of the malas that he made actually ended up being really healing and life-saving and important for people. And we talked a little bit about crystals and raising the vibration and the energy that um, they like to put in their jewelry and how it's the intention is elevation and to increase and raise the vibration. And I just thought that was so beautiful and intentional. Um, And we also, at the end, talked a little bit about the new earth and what we could look forward to creating and maybe what we could create in our own lives with creativity and collaboration and giving and volunteering our time and efforts and just knowing that and trusting that we will be taken care of. And I love that because that's some of the principles that I live by. And uh, then we ended it with talking a little bit about uh, money relationships and inner child work and going back into our childhood and into the ancestry and into the genetic things that make us who we are today. And so it was really cool to talk about um, allowing ourselves more of ourselves. And I think that's something that we don't do enough is allow ourselves to be more of ourselves. And so I said, Stephen, how do we do that? And he said, going back and retrieving. So going back into our childhood and our lineage and our ancestry. And so going back and looking at that to make us who we are today, and also getting in really uncomfortable situations and after doing cold plungings and being an entrepreneur and doing some of these uncomfortable shadow work, what I can speak to about being uncomfortable is that is a total perfect breeding ground for becoming more of yourself. And I think that's why people love the saying, uh, keep getting comfortable, getting uncomfortable is because when you get in those situations, you learn more about yourself, you become more of who you are and who you were created to be. Uh, And so it was really awesome to talk about allowing yourself more of yourself and your truth and not suppressing and just becoming more authentically ourselves. And so I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. I so enjoyed it. I could have asked him questions all day and just dug into all of his experience and wisdom. Um, And hopefully one day we'll get to collaborate together and do uh, retreats together. Maybe like this cool masculine, feminine energy, something, I don't know. Um, But anyway, thank you guys for joining for another episode. Thank you, Steven, again. And I hope you guys enjoy the show. And really quick, just a quick note from our sponsors, Conscious Champion. I love talking about Conscious Champion, you guys. So I kind of get excited every time I get to talk about the sponsors of this show, because that is my business and it allows me to do fun things like podcasting. And there was a time in my life where I did not like to talk about my sponsors other than Fit Hustle. There was a time where it just felt really icky and not in alignment, but this 
I can't wait for the world to find out about Conscious Champion because it has been a passion project. I get so excited to sh- show up for the calls every every week and talk to all the people and be so connected. And now in June, the retreat is planned. The information went out and it is happening. You guys, I am hosting my very first Conscious Champion retreat. It's called Spirit Walk. It's going to be in Colorado. And I am so excited to do this transformational work with people in person. And it's going to be adventure mixed with spirit. So we're going to do some adventure stuff, white water rafting and zip lining. We're going to have a ceremonial hike and hot springs and do a static dance under the light of the full moon. And oh my goodness. So, um, yeah, so I am very excited to talk about the sponsors because it is an absolute alignment with me and, um, Yes. If you guys have any questions about conscious champion and what I do and what it's about and how can you be involved, please let me know. I will have probably a little mini courses going on throughout the summer. So if you have any interest at all, please contact me uh, on Instagram, send me a DM, or you can email me at Danny at Danny And I will be so happy to set up a call with you and just let you know how maybe we can uh, connect and work together. Okay. That's enough for me for now about conscious champion. I could go on over. I should probably just do a whole podcast about conscious champion. If I'm being truthfully honest, (laughs) actually, maybe I will. Okay. But until that happens, let's get onto the podcast with Steven. And I hope you guys enjoy the show. Steven, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited and honored to have you with us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been uh, something I've been anticipating for a little while. It's, uh, it's nice to connect and we haven't seen each other for a little bit since the last summit. So um, it's lovely to just have some time with tribe. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've been anticipating this as well. And I, I am so excited for some of the stuff that we're going to talk to today. And I really feel like it's going to serve everybody who listens to it, because it seems like the common thread is about raising the vibration, Um, whether we do it individually or collectively, consciously or unconsciously, it seems like that is the goal here, whether it be through jewelry or men's circles or anything else that you're into. Um, And so let's just, I just, just a small little background just before, Mm -hmm. just so people can get like introduced to you and what you've done and what you do. And then we'll get into present day. Present day. So I'll wrap up 53 years into 30 seconds. Okay. Um, well, a lot of what you would get to, if you were to get to know me, you would you would pick up on the fact that I'm not from originally from the US. So I was born and raised in the UK. Um, I'm the oldest of three kids, um, private school educated, uh, have done, you know, the usual, you know, path from high school to university to the professional career and um, have had two marriages, now two kids uh, with um, their mom um, and exited that a couple of years ago. Um, and I started my journey out coming out of my first marriage um, where I did some transpersonal um, uh transformational work uh, and just work, started working on myself 20 years ago um, and then kind of took a, a respite from that uh, when I jumped into wanting to go down the family, you know, establishing a family, being a husband, being a father. And that had some difficulties in terms of continuing to work on myself in that context. So that was a part of, you know, the reason to exit. It, the growth paths weren't aligned. And 
So now a couple of years ago, uh, we met through Fit for Service and all the work that gets done there. And it was a, it was a revisiting or re, re um, introduction to just all of that transformational work, uh, that personal work, the inner work that we do. And coming out of um, my first experience of that back in the 2001, 2000 um, timeframe, I jumped into leading men's circles in the Bay Area, um, did a bunch of um, retreat weekends, became you know, involved with production teams and then worked my way up through the organization that I was connected to, to being a course supervisor and working closely with the leadership there to execute these weekends that gave literally our, our phrase was people would get their life out of those weekends because it was a, a unique context to jump into that we didn't really spend time, you know, really putting ourselves in a place of vulnerability in front of a room in front of your community and saying, how am I showing up, you know? Tell me, you know, trying to figure out life from inside the fishbowl of your own life, you know, trying to take a look at the back of your eye and assess how things are going. It's really, it takes an act of vulnerability and courage to say, okay, all of mirrors reflect back to me, you know, what you are seeing and how you are experiencing me in this moment. So um, that's a big part of uh, what folks get out of uh, their involvement with Fit for Service, let alone just the ceremonial and initiatory, you know, rites of passage and all the fun things that happen uh, with like the, the game, the elements, games of elements and all those things that we did down in Austin uh, last year, which was super fun and putting yourselves in those uncomfortable positions, you know, you get something out of it. And so that's, that's where I'm at right now is, you know, revisiting and reconnecting to my commitment to men's healing and uh, being of service to uh, helping guys get through some of the, the wounds that they have picked up through life. Um, as I mentioned, 53 years of life and two marriages and two kids, you know, I might have a perspective or two to share and um, I'll, get into, I'll get into that in a minute, but I'll leave it like that. So how's that as a summation? That's perfect. <laughs> I love it. It seems like it's circled back to inner work and that's been your, your driving force and maybe your vision and the most important thing to you, uh, for the last couple of years and even causing you to sort of uncouple from one relationship and then, you know, keep going on your path. So that's, yeah. it's really interesting and it's inspiring. And I hear a lot of people too sometimes say, well, I'm evolving. What if the person that I'm with doesn't want to involve with me? And at, at like one point, do you, make the decision, have the talk. If they come, that's great. If they don't, that's fine. That's their way. So it's interesting that you've been through that. And now you're on the other side and it seems like you're very, very happy with your life and with your trajectory. So congratulations. But could you also talk a little bit about that process? The exiting one and into a new phase of life. Um, yeah. I mean, to be honest, I didn't handle it all that gracefully. Um, I, my personal path i was in let me back up the the choice to choose the relationship you know every time something presents itself as a challenge and you choose to either push down like how you want to be you know seen or, or expressed and you put it to the side and you compromise like okay maybe that's not important I'm going to choose the relationship over my own personal expression and my authenticity mm. and having, having the better part of, you know, 20 years of that 
then you end up doing some pretty, in my experience and my path, I ended up doing a pretty dramatic thing in terms of having an affair and thinking that this was, you know, the path that I wanted to go on and, you know, that um, I deserve the love that this other woman was going to, was giving me. And that was the context that I wanted to live my life in. And I'm done with this and I'm, you know, and I will figure out how to, you know, be uh, present for my boys. I have two sons um, down the road. Um, so it was a pretty dramatic, um, you know, kerfuffle. And it wasn't as conscious as a conscious uncoupling as it could have been. Uh, and so that's left some rifts um, and we're working through that. But um, it is, you know, my in my experience, particularly for men is that when you make those compromises from the beginning, it just ends up being a bigger and bigger and bigger thing. And then you end up having resentment and then you're hiding how you really feel. And then you start making decisions based on all that hurt. And um, if I were to do it all over again, I would be, this is about the, you know, allowing yourself yourself. You know, we talked about this, about uh, this concept that my mentor, Jerry Candelaria, share with me before he died um and he he just encouraged me that was his prayer for me was that i was just unabashedly me and allowed to allow myself myself completely um and i'm still learning exactly what that means but it's a it's a guidepost where which i i look to frequently am i really am i, am I actually allowing myself in this moment um, and having the courage just to, you know, say what's there and, you know, not live at effect of how my partner may react to it. Um, this reminds me of a book that, you know, I, a very pivotal book, which I recommend to all my men's connections. Invariably, this book comes up in almost every first few conversations with a guy I'm getting to know, and that's um, Dr. Robert Glover's uh, book by the name of uh, No More Mr. Nice Guy. Um, and there are some patterns in there, and through that whole book and the exercises, I was just nodding and like, holy shit, you know, this is what I've been doing, and it's not so nice. It's, you know, you want you want to have everything flat in terms of no ripples on the, on the lake. You want it to be calm and you want to have access to your to your woman in terms of affection and and but then you're living at effect of keeping the lake calm and not being confident enough in like okay so she's pissed right now so and she's not available to me right now that's okay you know it'll it'll you know resolve itself with conversation and communication so um yeah i mean you look at like why was I why was I falling into those patterns? I mean, you look back and assess and start to forensically look at like where did that pattern and that talk track get laid down? Well, most likely at boarding school in England, you know, um, where I wanted to be part of the crew. I wanted to be, you know, one of the mates and <clears throat> was in and out of favor with you know the core group of friends you know, and I would be of service to them and I would do things on their behalf and they would be nice to me and then they would bully me, you know? So it was, it was that up and down, mm -hmm. um, you know, of emotions that I, I wanted to eliminate from my experience and just have everything being hunky-dory all the time. So, which is not reality. So it's, um, but it's a pattern that sort of led into uh, other things. 
coming coming to um, coming to bear in life. But um, once you can sort of identify the root and you can pull it out and uh, address it, um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't get easier. It just you get to acknowledge it, and either you are about it and you handle it, or you don't. But uh, it's always a every time is an opportunity. It's an opportunity. An opportunity for what? Growth, learning, consciousness. Well, you can choose. You can choose to have the conversation. You can choose to have the courage. You know, another another book that I'm going to mention the the, the king archetype, right? So, archetypes and understanding one's psyche. The book by Robert Moore, um, King Warrior, Magician Lover. Another standard of my books of must reads for men. Um, and when you look at those archetypes and the the light and dark side of those, you know, the light and the shadow version of those archetypes, and then you have the mature and immature version of those, you know, you do the math, you start multiplying that matrix out, and you have a lot of stuff going on in here. So if you can't have a framework by which, like, okay, am I being like my highest self in this moment? Am I showing up in, you know, in a mature way? You know, am I handling, can I look at my kingdom and put things back in order? Do I have the capacity not to, not to look away, not to like, you know, brush it underneath the rug and like, oh, it'll go away. I'll just ignore that. And um, having the courage to, to clean it up, to clean the mess up, whether you clean, you know, whether you created it or not. So um, yeah, that's a, that's a big part of the journey too for men, I think. And as you're talking, I'm thinking who better to lead a men's circle? I mean, you've been doing this work for a while. And like, like the thing I learned last year was the healing I do on me is the healing I do on them, the people that I'm working with. And it seems like you've been really digging into going even all the way back to when you were in grade school to like, why are these things happening? So, and even the work that you've done coming to where you are now with your relationships and stuff. It's just so interesting and empowering when I hear you speak about it because you're also teaching and you're helping others walk their path um, in a really conscious supported way. And I just want to commend you for that because more men need men like you. Mm, thank you. So thank you for doing that. Yeah. I mean, it's been the, the biggest hurdle that I've had to, you know, get not necessarily comfortable with, but acknowledge um and move beyond is whether you know i felt like i didn't have anything to say i felt guilty about the privilege from which i came from you know my father uh, and, mother, and mother um stayed together for 54 years they she passed last september um and he's still around and um he's been a, a beautiful example of how to how to be you know, head of household and provider and a protector. And he's a, you know, a surgeon by trade. So he wasn't around a whole lot um, when I was a kid. Um, but he provided every opportunity, you know, as I mentioned, in private school background, you know, I didn't leave college with debt underneath my, you know, uh, balance sheet. Um, he gave me lots of opportunities to do activities like learn how to scuba dive when I was 14 years old or, you know, go on spring break or, you know, there, everything was provided. Right. <clears throat> and the, the guilt that I sometimes feel in the moment of like, who am I to be telling? Like, I don't, I don't, I didn't come from a, a, a background of hardship. I didn't come from a background where parents were alcoholics or, you know, addicted to drugs or abusive or all the things that we hear in the, in, in going on. Um, 
in people's backgrounds. Like, but what I do have is love. I had, you know, my connection with my dad and my, let's say with my grandfather, um, on my father's side, but my mother's side, my grandfather was very loving and accessible. And he, you know, was a great example um, of, a, of a man in, in command of his, of his world. I mean, and every man has his, you know, his faults and his, you know, things to work on and things he didn't show up so great for. But overall, you know, when I leave a men's weekend, you know, there, I don't know how many hugs there have been, but there's, it's that fatherly presence where I can pass that, mm. that concern and that, that um, warmth on and that acceptance and, you know, leave younger men feeling like you got a kid, you know, I, I, I'm here for you and, you know, you can do it and, um, and just be that for them uh, in any one moment. So that, that's been a, re a revelation for the, for me for the, over the past few years is like owning, owning that presence inside a group where a lot of men are like in their late twenties or thirties. And I'm in, I'm into, as I mentioned, into my fifties and two marriages and two kids and a couple kids and, okay, well, what do I want to tell my 27 year old self again? Like, you know, how would I redo it? And um, that's my opportunity to sort of lay some nuggets of wisdom on, on them. And hopefully they, you know, hopefully they are, you know, uh, revealing or have, deliver some clarity um, and unlock some things for them. But um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a privilege and an honor to be in those spaces with them and, and just to show up as a, you know, a guy who can hold space and, and love them for however they show up. Mm, just showing up in your being all yeah. as all of yourself and something we talked about. So something I has been floating around my space and even with my mastermind group is talking about the difference between masculine and feminine energies and not male, female, but more so like the empowered or disempowered qualities of masculine, feminine, um, and the being versus doing. And so it sounds like when you're in these men's circles, you're almost like in all of your being and you're very in a flow state and an allowing state. Um, can you talk a little bit about being and doing and the masculine feminine things? Sure. Um, <clears throat> well, I mean, this gets down into a bit of anatomy as well, right? So um, the, the, the concept are, the precepts are receiving and penetration, right? So you're, as a man, you're, this is, I'm trying not to project sort of meant to be, you're in the world, you're meant to be this, but in general, male masculine whole energy is a constructive loving pressing forward and penetrating the you know the veil the challenge doing the hard thing um being a contribution to your community um understanding that you know your life is not necessarily about you it's about contribution and yeah things are going to be hard sometimes but then you still need to do it and having the courage to step forward and, and carry that forward. And uh, from, from a feminine perspective and the work that, you know, in my personal relationship with Deb, it's like, how do I, when one shows up authentically and releases the responsibility of a woman to also have to press forward in the world, you know, in the modern world, and she can step back and be in more of a receptive, you know, channeling uh, space, 
where you know she gets to uh, surrender and open and be uh, receptive to how you show up, but you've got to be coming from your heart. You know, as a man, we did a very interesting exercise with Zaya down in Costa Rica, where she asked us to focus on our sort of primal bestiality, you know, uh, more of a um, uh, not heart-centered, but groin-centered, you know, you know, at, you know, you want you want that in front of you, rather in terms of you're claiming that in front of you from a, a purely lustful, you know, bestial, you know, animalistic way. But then, the, she also gave us the opportunity to to come from only the heart. But then, when you combine the two in relationship, and you're coming from that heart, um, animalistic claiming space, that's when you you know, the partner you're with. Uh, if you're lucky enough to have a, a woman who's you know willing to take the risk with you and completely surrender, and put you, it's a very big responsibility to be placed in uh, that position because you have to have your you know your own shit together and not sort of transgress boundaries and and all those kinds of things. So there's a lot of elements going on, um, but uh, giving yourself practice. Um, permission to practice and you set up those contexts and like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna do my best to show up this way were you willing to work with me on this on this you know experience and um those can be actually some really fun and, and revealing experiences um even if it's you know within the context of a retreat weekend where you're doing that you know male female um uh, exercises and after each one if there's a clear like energetic cutting you know like okay we're done with the exercise and now we're back to um just being you and me and not connected um so acknowledging all of those you know energetics that are going on is is part of the part of the um practice as well so that's i'll leave it like that does that sort of reveal some things to talk about Definitely. Yeah. And, and we even talked about manifestation a little bit before too. So yeah. maybe, maybe we can jump into that because it kind of goes in line with the being and the doing. So yeah, yeah, let's talk about manifestation. Yeah. I'm a learner. I'm a, I'm a student of that um, cool. and not necessarily an expert on that. So, you know, I'll pass the baton back to you in terms of um, what you can share with me, but in my own experience, I, I have challenges, you know, really, you know, as Joe Dispenza, you know, talks about in terms of living and experiencing in the moment, what it is, what the feeling is of actually being in the place where you want to, where you want to go or having the life set up um, in such a way that it's just exactly how you envision it. So, you know, I, there are lots of things. It's it's funny though. There are lots of things that I can point to that Deb helps me, you know, acknowledge. Last year, this is just one example. Last year, we were thinking about you know combining our households, and we were like, well, it'd be, and we were. I was deep into the fit for service work, and she was really digging what I was bringing home in terms of um, knowledge and experience and the books we were reading, and we were, had some beautiful conversations, and then we started like, okay playing around with the idea of combining households or what kind of home would we have together and what would we 
you know, offer at, out of the context of our home. Well, we wanted to have um, space to host community and bring people together and have deep conversations and potentially do men's weekends and retreats and breath work and all the things. And we're like, well, we need an extra space other than the house. We might need to want a barn to go along with that. So, and I just happened to be talking to uh, Chad Redlight Adorn, who's another FFS brother. And we were thinking about, well, how do we combine our resources and craft a, a men's retreat center and a property? And the, we had this idea of a barn being the center of the property. <coughs> and I just drew, I sketched out a barn with a like a um, extension on it and it had a particular shape and it had a you know a sliding door on the front and some lines on it and whatnot um and now if you look at the barn on our property and i look at the picture i drew in my in my book i'm like holy shit is exactly it has a rv car port and a and a door that roll you know rolls up out in front and it opens up the whole barn and and it has the exact same roof line and i'm like holy shit i drew that in my book and um, then just thinking about and feeling into, well, what would that space look and feel like? Um, and, then, and then here we are, we found the property. Um, so there's something to it. I haven't perfected the practice yet, but Deb keeps on telling me, she goes, you manifest shit all the time. Like, you know, stuff comes to you, you think about it and like all of a sudden, you know, it comes through the ether and um, you hear about it or you go to some place and you experience what you thought you, you wanted and, and you desired. And so it's not as um, honed a skill as I imagine it could be eventually, but um, it's, it's nascent. It's, it's beginnings, baby steps. Yeah. I love that. I love that you drew a little thing and then it came to life. I am such a big believer in especially visualization that I used to do it for bodybuilding a lot. And we talked a little bit about bodybuilding before, and I would like yep. bring myself to tears thinking about me on the Olympia stage, giving my thank you speech, doing all the things right. And I was eventually on that stage. And I remember the moment where I was visualizing and I used to see myself doing this, you know, front double bicep in front of the big red O. And it was like this thing that I had envisioned for years and then the moment where I saw that picture at my very first Olympia was probably one of the most spiritual experiences of my life because it was when a thought and a vision became a thing. And I was standing in my reality, like looking at the picture, the physical picture of it. And so it, the feeling about it is so important too, and how we feel good about it. And like I was saying, I would visualize and I would bring myself to tears, let it, laying down, meditating in my closet. Um, and it's interesting. There's a vibrational thing that needs to happen too. So it's like, it's good that we're visualizing and that we have vision boards and that we do these things, but then also we have to be a vibrational match in order to receive it. And mm -hmm. there was something. So for me at the Olympia, I got second place instead of first, but there was things going on behind the scenes that I wasn't totally a vibrational match to get number one. I deserve number two because I was partying here and there. I was doing this and that. And so it wasn't total Miss Olympia status. And that was a hard lesson that is still hard for me to learn. But now I'm in this kind of in a more spiritual role and influence. So I, that was a big lesson that I needed to be where I am now. But so talking about manifestation, um, you know, have you ever heard of Abraham Hicks or uh, Abraham Esther Hicks? Familiar name, not sure if I could like name a, a, a book or a source or a quote. They're all about um, manifesting and she actually channels down 
Abraham, kind of like how people will channel, um, is it Seth or something like that? So she channels Abraham and her thing is ask, believe, receive. And I teach this in my course and it's, we ask for what we want. We have to be super clear. And we believe that we can achieve that. Like we believe we can get that house with the barn. We believe we can get to that stage. So there has to be an element of belief because if you don't believe it, it's never going to happen. You can ask all you want, but if there's doubt, then it's not yours. And then the last part is about receiving and about being in a receiving mode and being open to have it. And like she says that you can't receive something good in a bad place. So there's a vibrational disconnect. So you have to be feeling good in order to get your good vision. Um, So that's, that's my little spiel on manifestation. That, that, um, that resonates for me. I don't know if you're familiar with Mary Margrave. Have you talked to Mary Margrave yet? No. She's another, she's another person who channels uh, guidance from guides, from your guides. So she's a, she's a medium. Um, Is she an so FFS? Not, but she's connected to many members. Okay. Uh, Kyle, Kyle Kingsbury, I mentioned her a few times. I took his recommendation to reach out. I am still doing homework uh, for her um, based on my one conversation for two hours. And again, this is more about, you know, the believing part, you know, not believing keeps me stagnant and keeps me a little feeling a little stuck. We're talking about um, before we got on the line here in terms of stuckness, you know, in my present moment, I'm feeling a little in, in terms of lethargy and, and inertia to overcome. Um, and I briefly mentioned my mom's passing last September, and I feel like you know there's there's some connection there that I'm not processing all the the grief that's there to move through it, and I'm stuck there until I I do so. So that's another you know the call out <clears throat> to just again be with it and um, to allow yourself yourself and you know not to brush it under the rug and that means you know feeling all the feels and uh yeah so that yeah the the believing and receiving particularly the believing part um she her 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 tip to me was breath work was going to be the conduit through which things would unlock for me so i literally from that conversation breathe and receive was the, the combination of, of that process. Um, so again, another area for continued improvement. Um, do I do breath work as frequently as I, again, projecting a should or woulda, coulda kind of thing? Um, probably I could, there's room for improvement um, for sure. Mm. So, yeah. It just, so there's work there. So there's work here to be done. So the stuckness isn't like a lost stuckness. It's almost just like, when is it time to do the work and release and really move through all of those emotions? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, um, Kyle Kingsbury talks about, you know, there's so many beautiful and, and, uh, in a, in a library of books, right. So you, you acquire, I love books, the actual physical thing that you hold in your hand and reading them. And I, I rather, have the thing in my head <clears throat> and then read online or do an audio book. Um, so I have a, a living library, as he likes to call it, um, of lots of books that I um, have the opportunity to read at some point and they'll get read when they get read. So it's, if it's being okay with like, okay, this is where I'm at right now. Um, and not 
there's a lot of work that goes on in terms of not shaming yourself and working through that, you know. Now, things are unfolding just as they're meant to be. It's, you know, there's no, there's no judgment around, you know, I should be somewhere else. No, you need to be right here, right now. And, you know, you, you are where you're meant to be and being okay with that in any one moment. So the trick is like acknowledging it when you know better, you do better. And then you, you bring the practice in a little bit by little bit. So it's, you know, you notice I'm drinking a little bit of extra water. You know, I got to, I got to be doing that a little bit more frequently. So I've been over the past week trying to, you know, imbibe a, a bit more H2O in my life. So, um, Every, every little bit helps, you know, and so then you can, even if I sit on my mat and don't do, you know, one sit up, but I just sit and meditate and like feel like, okay, I could be, I know a routine I want to be doing. At least you showed up, you know, and as Godzi says, you know, when, when you show up every day, then the muse knows where to find you. And when inspiration takes you, you'll flow with that. So um, that's, those are the kinds of things I, the little sort of workarounds, to not feeling the shame is like, okay, but am I still showing up for myself? So. Mm, seems like a, a big element of trust. And I think that that's like, if you want to think about masculine and feminine, trust would be more feminine and control would be more masculine, maybe trying to control everything, mm-hmm. um, especially like a whole grieving process and like moving through certain emotions. And like, sometimes we're supposed to be stuck. Sometimes we are supposed to be a hermit and there's nothing wrong with that, you know? Yeah. Because there will be a time where it's going to be all exterior work, where we will be out there doing the damn thing. And so I feel like the time as a hermit is necessary. It's one of my favorite times. I've been in that space a couple of times. And now when I go in there, I kind of like it because I know that there's going to come a time where I'm going to be very outputting tons of energy. Um, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, yeah, I kind of like the hermit vibe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have quite a busy schedule as I, as I understand these days. Yeah. yeah um so breath work i have you do you remember autumn aspen from fit for service yep. so we've been doing virtual breath work sessions with her on my group conscious champion and we've done that probably like four or five and she's going to come i'm hosting my first retreat in june and she's going to come be there with us in person live um have you done a virtual one yet no i've not no Well, we might be planning another one for May. So if you have any space for May and you want to join us, um, I will definitely pass the invite your way. I would love that. Yeah. I mean, I'm, we're planning to go down to Barbados at the end of May. Um, and I have a weekend in Spokane to link up with Celeste. Um, so to do a ceremony with, with her and, um, Tara Bailey and folks out in Spokane. So, uh, we'll be jumping into her medicine, um, over that weekend, but, uh, so those are my only two commitments. Otherwise, I'm just sort of plugging away at uh, the jewelry business and um, work work. I still, you know, there's a there's the balance of corporate work, you know, being in that career mode. And then there's the stuff that feeds the soul um, with all the you know personal development, transformational work and, and uh, the other things that we're in, interested in. And jewelry. So intentional jewelry. Um, give me a little snippet on all this, the jewelry stuff. Cause I've seen some of your stuff on Instagram and it's great. Uh, yeah. Thank so you. tell me like where it came from, why'd you start doing it and what you hope to see come from it? Well, the, um, it came from Deb, you know, Deb 
is an amazing individual and she's my partner, you know, basically we collapse our households, as I mentioned, and she's my wife, basically. That's how I sort of hold her. You know, we might not have a marriage license and all that kind of stuff and a, and a document, but that's how we live together. That's how we hold each other. Um, and when I was coming out of, um, we came out of Tahoe, she came down to Tahoe for the summit there and was in the house with us as like house, house mom. She, it was funny because she has 10, 10, she has come, comes from a large Italian family and she's like one of two females in the family. So they, she has 10 brothers. And so being in a house with about 12 guys was normal for her. And she just loved, she loved being, you know, in the kitchen and, and orchestrating everything and, you know, making food and manja manja, you know, she was just, you know, in, in her uh, element. Um, so that was a really fun trip and adventure for us and when we came back she was like you know i um she's very into um uh naturopath pathic um modalities and anything to connected with uh with the with the raw earth and elements and stones and crystals are part of that so it's like you know i want well, can i make some bracelets and hand them out as gifts and whatnot and like okay you know i'll dive into that it's creation it's creativity it's imagination it's producing it's meditative i found you know there was quite a bit of you know thinking time that i could just you know string some beads and in a in a design i came up with and it was very sort of fulfilling from that perspective and before you know it i started like getting really intrigued like well, what are the combinations like we're not just going to do this one stone on you know a rose quartz bracelet let's combine rose quartz with something else da, 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 and put some metals with it and come up with a design <clears throat> and this is where she has a fun story about her learning the word compersion you know the word compersion mm-hmm. where where your compersion is when you teach somebody a skill and they get they express it better than you in your opinion and you have you know, an appreciation for their, you know, higher level of skill. So in her experience of me doing this, she's like, fuck, you know, you, you're better at this than me. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what, I'm just feeling my way through it. Right. And she started encouraging me. And so we, we created this company called Stone Witch Talisman. So um, it's a, the talisman, as you know, is a, is an object that you would take into ceremony. It's a touchstone. It's um, a significant piece that you, that uh, you sit with on a regular basis. You meditate with it. You place intention with it. You live through the the meaning of the stone and the the qualities and the properties of the stone. And so I I create these talismans for uh, clients, and they often lead to amazing stories about. Uh, synchronicities that happen in their world, messages they get downloaded, um, conversations that they feel like they would never have had without it being around their neck. Can you um, tell me one? What's your What's like one of your favorites? I'm gonna I'm gonna tear up at this one. Um, so one of our FFS brothers, Justin Wren, he, the big pygmy as he goes by in the UFC. Um, he had one of his uh, workout training partners um, committed suicide. So he left behind <clears throat> his family 
his wife and, and I think he had two, maybe three kids. And his eldest son was going through a really rough period um, after his dad passed. And uh, Justin gave the eulogy, you know, gave a eulogy for his friend, uh, for his training partner. And he was wearing a mala made out of halite and it had a ammonite uh, pendant on the bottom of it. Mm. And I think I have an ammonite. Ammonite is a is one of these little creatures. Cool, like a little spiral thing. Yeah, it's a nautilus. If you're familiar with the um, with the crustacean, so it's a, a shell. It's a fossilized um, uh, nautilus, basically. So these these little beings, you know, lived millions of years ago. They're fossilized, and, and I put them on on this particular um, mala and the halite is very grounding and calming. And it was all halite and this one ammonite pendant on it. And um, I'd happened to send it to, to Justin. Um, and then this, this incident happened with his, with his training partner mm-hmm. and he wore it to the service. And he was talking about how he wore it and the and how it calmed him and grounded him. And everybody came up to him afterwards and touched it. And um, he ended up gifting that to his friend's eldest son. And then like the next, a day or two later, they discovered that he had written his own suicide note and he was contemplating leaving this world. And he said that the only reason that he felt like the only reason that he didn't go through with it was the the fact that he was wearing that mall. So I, I asked Just, Justin flat out, I said, do you mean in your estimation, in your experience, you feel like that that piece of jewelry saved his life? And he goes, yeah, it did. So that's, that's the power of a talisman. And um, that's the, I don't, I don't create them to help avoid situations like that but i love the fact that there's so much you know power placed in an object that can help you get through some or find a new way of being or a new higher level of vibration and you use the stones to to be able to cultivate that inside yourself and you learn about the healing properties of those stones and the vibration and what they that they give off um and you literally you know when i study them I'll have a conversation with a with a client. I'll understand, I'll get to know them a little bit, understand their intentions about why they feel called to have this item around, you know, an item around their neck or what they're trying to create in their life and the, the vibration they're trying to cultivate in their life. And then I'll put the spell together. I'll put the combination together for them and send it off to them. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it comes in fits and starts. We have, you know, we're going through a refresh of the website, so it's a little wonky, but... Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fun little creative outlet and it has uh, some positive intentions for sure. Mm, I love it. I love it. I, I'm all about the crystals and the stones and the malas and the talismans and like how they all have their own healing energy. And I guess for people who are listening that don't really know that much about crystals and stones, or they have questions about it, could you give us just like a little brief overview of why they're powerful, how to use them? For sure. I mean, I'm still learning myself in terms of, but the way that I, 
was teaching myself was, okay, these, we, we see colors. I mean, we see colors in, across a range of spectrum. Mm-hmm. And that is a result of the wavelength being reflected, the light being reflected out of an object. Um, they are made up of various different types of minerals and elements. And if you were to put a, a current through through them, they would have a wavelength to them that would resonate. You know, you create resonance with them that have a particular wavelength. So when you when you talk about charging a crystal, you put it in the sunlight, you know, and you or putting it in the in the moonlight of a full moon, you know, you want that particular vibration to be absorbed by the stone. So, you know, if you have an, an love, I love labradorite. The iridescence in that is just gets me every time, and so I dragonfly wings. Yeah, so it's it's part of nature, right? And we've we've lost our connection in many ways to uh, the natural world, and so it's a. I mean, it goes back to my fascination with the natural world. I wanted Jack Cousteau was my hero, and I wanted to be an oceanographer by trade, and so. That's what I went off to university to be, but I was too interested in playing rugby to uh, do the science and to pay attention in class. So, um, but I still have an interest in the natural world. Um, and then there's things like, I remember walking the beaches in Suffolk, England on East Anglia and my grandmother picking up, you know, agates and carnelians and other stones and we would put them in the tumbler and, so it's it's also a personal connection to to my grand. So, you know, and that that is also an experience that you can sort of recreate. And you, I have a lot of I have a lot of different varieties of agates in my collection of materials, poor materials. And I'm like, well, why is that? I'm always drawn to carnelians. You know, why is that? And I was like, oh shit, because I was walking the beach with my grand, and she was always pointing these out to me. So it's you know. Um, those objects carry meaning throughout one's life and when you get to the to the place where you feel like well maybe I need a little extra help or you know it just you like the look of that particular stone some people love the look of the color of turquoise and all the different shades of blue green it comes in you know Um, and it helps you you know just cultivate that that better sense of self and that's how I you know, I would leave it like that. I mean, I, you can look through all different sorts of resources and whatnot and the, the energetic meaning of a stone, the spiritual meaning of the stone, the healing qualities of the stone. We are very familiar with the, with the chakra energy centers and the vibration that occurs in each of them and the color that's associated with each one of them. So stones also click into that system. Uh, and yeah, I'm still learning and there are people more astute and more wise than me to put the combinations together. So a lot of it just has to do with personal feeling. Um, and again, that's okay. That's everybody ha- is allowed to be um, where they're at with it. So. Absolutely. Love that. Thank you. I'm so glad I asked. And it seems like the whole intention behind you making the jewelry is to help raise the vibration, whether it be to help people get through something or to make them feel a certain way. It seems like it's all a very elevating energy. For sure. It is. It's um, <clears throat> like I said, there's a spell with, with each one. So yeah. I hand write, I, I, I do the research and I'm like thinking into what's the right combination. And then 
there's um, a process I go through in terms of like, okay, how am I going to impart that combination of what they share with me, what I felt into, why did I make the choices of the materials that I did and my hope for them. So I put that down in a handwritten note. I mean, we, we rarely get handwritten anything these days. So it's, uh, yeah, so it's, it's a nice process that way too. Oh, so sweet. And where can people uh, find your jewelry? Well, as you mentioned, it's um, smattered across my IG yeah. feed um, at Stephen.Fielding. And then the, the company name is Stone Witch Talisman. So stonewitchtalisman.com. Um, and then we have a, an IG feed on that, which is just Stone Witch Talisman, all one word, and then underscore at the end. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, good. I just wanted, just in case people were all excited about the jewelry, I want them to know where they can get it. Yeah. And of course I will link it in the description. Um, so it's really easy. Right. Um, so I guess this kind of goes into, we were talking about the new earth and I don't know if you've ever read the book by Eckhart. I watched, um, the interview series that him and Oprah did a while ago. It was like one of the first things, like along the very beginning of my like awakening journey, I listened to that. And, um, you talked about creativity and collaboration. And for me, that's what I hear when I hear you speak about the jewelry is lots of creativity and even collaboration between you and nature. Um, so I guess the new earth, yeah, whatever thoughts you have around that, I'd love to hear. Yeah, in our, um, conversa our prior conversation, <clears throat> what I found, um, and this actually comes from work when I was even at Microsoft um, and working with the small business entrepreneurial team where we got, I got, I had the privilege of meeting many, many, many entrepreneurs and just the, um, I think that is such a, a beautiful path to follow in terms of one's own growth um, because it does require of you to be creative and collaborative and um, cooperative and communicate well and um, but in the context of the new earth I think that's in terms of value systems shifting um, that's where I get really sort of excited about where things could possibly go in terms of and I'm I mentioned also offline which was re recalibrating, reorienting my relationship with money as more of an energetic flow. Um, it's a tool um, to acknowledge contribution to each other. Um, and that, you know, we, we show up in ways that um, when we're aligned and we're resonant with our true essence, that that's a value, you know, of to everybody that we come in contact with. And we just have to find the right, you know, um, matching piece of the puzzle to have um, co-resonance and then really fun things start to happen when you're both sort of aligned and in flow to a greater to a greater goal um, so when you look at things like uh, the farm that is the you know coming together down in Lockhart uh, Texas that Aubrey Marcus has um, literally sort of put a put a stake in the ground and saying, this is where we're going to, you know, cultivate this kind of way of being in terms of creating that more beautiful world, our hearts knew uh, or no. Um, 
as we, we've heard in the past um, year or two. And um, <clears throat> well, what does that look like? Well, it means like, you know, you show up and you just contribute because that feels like what you're called to do in that moment. There's no expectation on the other side that, you know, having a belief that in other ways, things will come back to you. If you make an offer of yourself and be of service and um, it's where expectations and judgments of not having those expectations met and that whole, you know, cycle of, of energy, which, doesn't allow for that contribution to each other to happen naturally. Um, so that's where I get excited is where people sort of step to the front and say, Hey, this is, this is what I'm about. Anybody want to partner up and, and do something fun together and, and it'll resonate with folks and there'll be, there'll be um, monetary exchange down the road, but we're not sort of starting from that. You know, we're not starting from a profit and loss you know, table. We're starting from what's the contribution, what's the what's the the in-service component to it. Um, so I'll leave it like that. Does that sort of give you a, a flavor, a smattering of new earth thoughts? Yeah, it does. I and I love it because it's it's kind of the way that I believe. So when I think about the law of compensation and the law of the universe, basically you, you get back what you put out and it doesn't always have to be in monetary gain, but just knowing that you'll be taken care of. So for me, I give, I give some stuff away for free, probably more than like my business coach would ever want me to tell her, (laughs) but I just know and believe that I will be taken care of when the time is right. And when it's going to come back around. And I just believe that. So I'm really happy to hear and think about the energy that's going to be there at that Lockhart place. Like with people just volunteering their time and like trusting that it's going to come back and creating and digging on the land with that beautiful intention of like volunteer and just wanting to help build this beautiful place. It's just being built with such great intention, such purity that I can't wait to see the finished product and feel the grounds there. I think it's going to be otherworldly. Um, and it just gives me hope because that's the way that I think as well in my business. And I just know that it's going to come back. And that's where that like trust is. And also you mentioned expectations. I think a lot of people, and this actually has come up a couple, like even in a conversation earlier today and in this, I'm studying the Bhagavad Gita right now. And it's all about acting without being concerned about the fruits of your labor. It's acting for the sake of acting, being in the flow state being totally present with whatever you're doing and just knowing that it's going to end up okay. Um, and I've been having the conversation about flow state and being totally in flow and being totally present is like where all the power is. That's where the whole universe is, is in the moment. But if we're worried about expectations and what's going to come out of it, then part of our energy is already in the future and we're not totally fully present. And I feel like when we're working in the present is when the best fruits come, when we are able to focus all our energy in the here and now. So it, it that just kind of like popped off a couple of things for me with the expectations and the fruits and the collaboration. And so thank you for that. That just ignited some excitement. <laughs> I couldn't tell. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. And money beliefs too. That's huge. I'm, I'm going through my own money, but my whole life I've been told 
you don't have a concept of money, money burns a hole in your pocket. Don't give, don't give Danny money because of whatever. And usually I get in trouble because I spend it on other people. It's not usually for my, it's like, if somebody has a birthday, I'm like, oh, here we go. And so that's yeah. usually where I get myself into a little bit of trouble. Um, but even re getting out of those thought patterns and like thinking like, no, I know what to do with money. Like I have a business and like, this is, so I've been really trying to tease out those old paradigms to come into a new money belief where it is an exchange of energy. And I'm so happy that you said that I worked with a uh, money magic. One of my friends does this cool thing. And I saw money for the first time in my life as this beautiful, sparkling green stream of energy. And it wasn't dollar bills. It wasn't like this negative evil thing, which is kind of how I used to think about it. It was this beautiful, playful, green, sparkling energy. And it would like pop up over here and pop up over here. And it was just really playful. Um, and it was so nice because I used to think about money as like a very, evil kind of thing. I don't know where that got taught to me, but, um, it's finally unraveling and mm -hmm. I'm happy about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the parts that are feel like they're shifting in terms of there's more, there's more than enough money in the world, you know, to, to service everybody. Um, and that the, the issue, not necessarily the issue, but the, the, the key the, into the lock is, well, how do you craft something that, um, you know, tunes into the resonance right now? What's of need right now? Um, and I think, you know, a lot of folks are looking for, you know, I mean, coming out of two years of ins and outs of lockdowns and, and being separate, you know, from each other that we're trying to recalibrate our, you know, just even connecting on a, on a facial level, you know, I have a friend, you know, a friend of, of Deb's is a kindergarten teacher and she's got, you know, five-year-olds who've been in, you know, at home for the better part of two years behind a mask. So from three years old and now they're in these classrooms and they're, they're fucking traumatized. So she feels them, she feels them you know, trying to figure it out and trying to be in connection with each other and trying to be with each other. And so, you know, as, yeah. So as, you know, as adults, we've, you know, had more experience. We have, you know, coping mechanisms, you know, that are good, bad, and different, you know, various different flavors. Yeah. Um, but the, um, the, the real need is for us to, um, is to not necessarily lead from a place of like um, make, making making money off of each other, you know? And it's uh, okay. How can we how can we easily and gracefully walk each other home, you know? And, um, just be more uh, off service to each other. I you just mentioned a Ram Das quote about walking each other home. Mm -hmm. That is like my man. I love, <laughs> I love him. Actually, this mala I got from him, his, uh, not him personally, but his like love, serve, remember shop or something. And this podcast is called talking each other home mm -hmm. for that very reason, because I love him so much. Um, so I guess actually in that vein, now that we're on the topic, the word home, what comes up, what is home to you? Oh, interesting topic. <laughs> <laughs> uh what is home to me 
I mean, that goes back to, I mean, home, home is just so many different things, you know, it's where one feels, um, where one feels can, that you can authentically sort of let your guard down, you know, and I, I go back to childhood, you know, it was my grandmother's apartment in London, you know, and it was, it was a beautiful Victorian, you know, three-story uh, house with the ground, the, the garden level flat. And she had it beautifully decorated and there were these big, you know, velvet curtains and whatnot. I used to wrap myself up in the velvet curtains playing hide and seek, or I'd build, you know, forts out of the cushions on the couches and, um, so it's it's kind of places like that. I mean, as where you felt, you know, the, one of the funny stories from my childhood was, was that my grandfather, you know, he was pretty permissive. He's like, yeah, you know, here's some hammer and nails and whatnot. I don't know how old I was, maybe five or six, something like this, four or five. And then in the living room, they heard this hammering going on. And they're like, where's Stephen? And I was behind the couch hammering down the Persian rug to the, to the marquee floor. You know? <laughs> and it was, and that again, again, my nickname, Mister Fix It, you know, um, from from that. So it's like where you feel comfortable just to do what the fuck you want, you know. So um, Barbados feels like home. The east coast of Barbados in Bashtabur, which is very rough and just miles of coastlines to walk the beach and where you can just sort of relax and be be in nature. Um, I feel at home with my boys, you know, out on an adventure. I feel at home on my motorcycle, running the back roads with Deb behind me. We're just, you know, we're in, in flow, just going through the back roads at 60, 70 miles an hour. That That's always beautiful. So home feels like when when I'm in flow. And so when the clock disappears, the, time, the concept of time dissolves and you just, photography was another, you know, medium that I, um, that I dabbled in for many, many years and I'm passionate about photography and did grand landscapes and would take myself out to Death Valley and do six days in the Death Valley and scout areas and da 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 So being in flow, creating, that feels like home. Um, yeah, so I make... Good answer. Yeah, so I kind of... My mom passed down to me. One of the funny things that she would do would be, you know, we would... I'd roll in freshman year at college and she'd be the mom, you know, setting up the, the room and da, da, da. she had to get all the things and the supplies. And that. So that kind of um, need to have my personal space, you know, organized and, and like set and setting is really important to me. Um, so that uh, home is where, whenever you make it, you know, and having a few special things around you, you know, and, you know, as you can see, I, I love art and talking about energy flow and, and whatnot. If I feel resonance with the artist, I, I, I need a piece of their of their energy in, in my collection. And Deb's like, you have so much art. I'm like, and? So, feel <laughs> good. So, yeah. It seems like we both have a bit of a spirit space going on. This is my spirit space. That's what I call it. Um, yeah. And I have like little gifts from everybody all around me, like from the people that I coach and just from over the years. And like, even what I wear is usually gifts from people. It just starts to become a part of me. Um, and I love this flower of life. Pur purple's like my color right now. I almost had the lights purple, but it looked weird in here. Um, what, 
where did you get that? Did you make that? Like the thing's awesome. I did not make it. Um, I found an artist on IG of all places, you know, find everybody on IG these days. Uh, and he was doing, I think he's taken a bit of a hiatus from producing uh, pieces. I think he went through a life, uh, a life moment and transition. He used to live in Miami. I think he moved back to New York, which is where he was from. Um, but he would do flower of life designs. He, I gave him the fit for service body Vitsa, um, graphic and he created one out of that which sits over my altar in another room um so it's a big three foot piece and lights up too um and he does various different you know he does hamsa hands and he does um all sorts of egyptian themed uh cutouts and yeah he's just he did a lion's head and um an amazing, amazing piece. And then he does things like Buddhas with Lotus designs. And it's just, uh, I just really resonated with what he was up to. And um, again, you know, my experience being at Microsoft on the entrepreneur team, um, small business entrepreneurs, they, they, I love them and want to do what I can to help them. So I was like making sure that he got, you know, word of mouth into fit for service and a few folks picked up some things from him from there and just like being that conduit yeah. is really, that's another, another, another thing that I love being for people is a conduit into my network and helping generate that collaborative, you know, experience for folks. Mm, same. I, I share the same love for being conduit. I love it. Like I'm taking people from fit for service and I'm bringing them into conscious champion. So we've been doing these, like the breath work with autumn and things like that. So, um, it's been really cool. And I, I also very much enjoy connecting the two worlds and helping with that connection. And I love your spirit space. I just have to say, and, and then you have an altar. So I guess just to kind of, to oh, yeah. the last there's a little bit more view of this space. That's my dad, my dad's desk from his uh, prep school days. So that's, that's where I journal. That mm -hmm. piece of art over my shoulder is from Matt Quick. That photograph is one of the pictures I took down in Death Valley. Wow. And yeah, I got some, this picture of Kathy Ireland that was taken by my friend Dixie Dixon which helped support a nonprofit project she was involved with. So yeah, it's, uh, I love it. Awesome. Uh, and I guess last thing is like, um, let's bring it home with allowing yourself yourself. Let's just talk just briefly more about what that, I know we did a little bit at the beginning, but that concept is just so beautiful and something that I'm stepping into, I think I was afraid of myself for a while and I'm not really sure why, or if that even makes sense. Um, but how could we allow ourselves more of ourself? It's, it's a, wow. I mean, there's, there's a lot to that question. Um, I don't think you really know yourself truly until you place yourself in some pretty challenging situations. So how can you get to know yourself in those spaces, right? So um, by all measurement, we live a pretty cush, comfortable life. Um, yeah. uh, compared to the other 9 billion souls on this planet, 
um, if you're watching this video, if you're watching this podcast, you are probably in the top 2% of the population on this planet and probably higher than that. So we live a very privileged life. And um, we've lost our ways in terms of rites of passage and initiatory experiences. Okay. So there's uh, a huge um, or a significant gap in our human experience in terms of how we know it ourselves authentically in that moment in times of challenge and adversity. And if you think back into the 20th century and the qualities that came out of um, periods of adversity, you know, my personal experience, my, my heritage goes back to, um, you know, the czars running ethnic cleansing through villages in Western Ukraine. So all the conflict that's happening in the Ukraine right now is very, so it's, it's activated some genetic, you know, level reminiscence around what happened to my ancestors in their little village back in the earliest 20th part of the 20th century. So you, you think about <clears throat> adversity. My father was born in 1940, you know, second world war and the bombings of London were still happening. So his formative years, you know, air raid sirens are part of his genetic, you know, makeup. Um, my grandmother, um, you know, she lived through, she was born, I think, just after World War One, and, or just before World War One. But you think about worldwide conflicts have been moments of adversity where men have, um, and women have been challenged. And, but now we're at this point where we can return back to more positive, healthy um, rites of passage and initiatory experiences um, whether they're sort of in ceremony and that's code for, um, you know, various different plant medicine experiences or, um, you know, the full temple reset that Fit for Service has been doing, which I wanted to be part of and, and would like to do, you know, and that's, you know, a five-day fast with, you know, um, hot and cold therapy, terms of sauna and cold plunge, um, really monitoring, you know, meditative practices. So placing yourself, you know, vision quests, you know, putting your hands in, in, in good hands with somebody who's uh, versed in vision quests experiences or, you know, Delaney um, just dropped into and Aubrey Marcus did a, did a um, documentary about his experience of seven days in the dark, you know, a dark experience. So darkness, um, meditation too, or Vipassana, you know, putting yourself in those adverse, positive, you know, experiences where you can get to know yourself, like how you show up um, in those, um, those edges of experience. Um, that's where I feel like you should make a lot of notes in your notebook and journal, like how you're feeling in those moments and then bring back that knowledge. Um, and <clears throat> it goes to, um, and it kind of goes to why I have the tattoo on my right forearm. Um, it's going to be upside down and back to front, but this one right in here is based on a symbol out of the Adinkra tribe called Sankofa. So this, 
this pattern right here on both sides is called Sankofa. And Sankofa means to go back and fetch it. So if you're not exploring your history, your upbringing, um, your patterns that were laid down, your um, you know, the internal dialogue and the scripts that you're running inside unconsciously because they were so they were laid down so early in your life. Um, if you're not excavating that and getting to know that part of yourself, it's hard, really hard to be yourself. But allowing yourself the process to explore that and not, you know, trying to circumnavigate that and say, oh, I got everything figured out and I'm good, you know. Um, I think the more people do that, the more uh, we will be in a better place to face the challenge ahead. Um, so, yeah, it's um, one of the more interesting. My mom had a lot of uh, medical issues over her life, and I, my dad, being a physician, kept, you know, lots of notes because he would have to hand off her medical file, which was an inch thick, to each new physician that they would build a relationship with um, to deal with some of the the physical uh, things that were going on with her, but, but I was reading her, her medical history and the postpartum depression that she had after my birth. I feel like, okay, you know, maybe I was left alone to figure out my emotional needs at that time. And so I'm still like trying to process and feel into, am I, am I feeling that effect now, you know, 50 plus years on? And how do I want to show up for myself? How do I love my infant self now? How do I meet that? humans needs uh, in this moment. So it's always, it's an ongoing learning experience. And, um, but allowing yourself yourself is that whole process. It's being curious and um, being willing to take on adverse circumstances so you can have real clear sense of what that means. I love both of those concepts. So what I heard was go back and fetch it go back and figure out where you came from, why you are the way you are into your childhood and even beyond that ancestry lineage, stuff like that, to understand who you are today as yourself. And you know how people always say getting comfortable in the uncomfortable and putting ourselves even in a cold plunge, you learn something new about yourself, even going through breath work. You, so it's like going through those things that are positively uncomfortable so that you could uncover more of yourself and live more fully from that place. So I really love those two things that you said, because that's something that's very present in my life right now is kind of going into inner child stuff and also putting myself in uncomfortable situations, being a business owner and like doing new things and continuously stepping up. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel, I feel very much so both of those things. So I'm so happy that you spoke about those. Yeah. You're yeah. Um, okay. So last thing is where can people find you? Well, IG is the easiest, uh, at steven.fielding, um, on IG and the, the other two handles are connected to Stonewitch Talisman. So the at Stonewitch Talisman underscore okay. is also yeah. an IG handle. And then stonewitchtalisman.com is the website. But my personal IG is the probably the easiest, and I'm on also on WhatsApp. You know, if, if you want to work WhatsApp, Signal, Telegram, but we'll start with IG and go from there. Okay, good, and I'll make sure to put that link in the description too. Yeah. And to close this out, what do you hope to see in the world? 
what do I hope to see in the world? Hmm. Well, it kind of goes back to the flower of life, right? So the interconnectedness of, um, and yeah, I mean, the, the unicity of everything. If you really, we, we have a perspective as an individual human to look at everything else as other, but when you get down to it, we are all um, part of a big pattern. And that at the end of the day, we don't have a whole lot of difference between us. So what are we jumping into conflict about is really um, something that needs to be explored. Does conflict really have a place in the world that we want to create? Mm. Or better dialogue and acknowledging that we have more more related to each other than different. So oneness and unity, like the flower of life. Oh, I love it. Stephen, thank you. This has been an amazing conversation. I feel like I could just keep asking questions and questions and questions. You're very interesting. <laughs> Likewise. Likewise. Well, hopefully this uh, will continue this conversation down the road and um, we'll stay connected. And I looked where you're located and you're not too far from where I went to school. I went to the University of Rhode Island. Uh, and I lived in Boston for many years. My sister used to dance for the Boston Ballet. So Cape Cod and your neck of the words. I was aiming to get to Woods Hole, you know, as, as an oceanographer. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So. Cool. So you know where I am, and you're located like almost opposite end of the U.S. from me now, right? At the moment, yes. I've been in the Seattle area for a better part of 20 years now. Um, so it's, uh, I think it's 20 years next year. It's, it's actually the longest place I've lived. Um, as I mentioned, London, and then the East Coast, and Connecticut, and in DC and Boston and San Francisco and now Seattle. Wow. That's a place uh, that me and my husband definitely want to come visit. It's on our list. I, I really would love to see the Pacific Northwest and um, just explore and see the trees. I hear the trees are amazing and I'm such a tree person freak. So I really want to feel the trees and hang out with the giants over there. <laughs> well, we have some beautiful specimens of um, dub fir on our property, you know, okay. these huge, you know, 300 year old uh, trees are, they're pretty amazing. Yeah. Open invitation anytime. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'll yeah. let you know. Um, all right. Well, thank you again, Stephen. This has been lovely. And um, everybody, as always, thank you so much for watching and for joining us for another episode. I can't wait to see you on the next one. Peace. Mm -hmm.